Hey, and welcome to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. Here you'll find a teaching for your life from God's Word by Pastor Wes Aram. So, let's get to it. All right, grab your Bibles and open up to Matthew chapter 11, either the hard copy you brought with you or on your electronic device or in the pew holder in front of you. Matthew chapter 11 is where we are going to be in just a minute. We're going to walk through some verses and I want you to see them in front of you. You have on your song sheet, uh, the last page is actually a note page. Uh, and so you can take notes. There's a couple blanks you can fill in uh, if you want to do that. Uh, so that's just helpful. Uh, I have on there some verses that I'm going to be referencing so that you have, have some of that. Because I know some of you guys are awesome note takers. And some of you are like, hey, I'm just starting to get the whole note taking thing down. Well, this is there uh, to help you. Okay? So here's, here's the, uh, the series, the new series. It's there on your paper. It's time to train. Time to train based on 1 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. Let me read it for you. It says, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things, holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. Godliness, God-centeredness, making God the center of our lives. Everything revolves and feeds into God. We get our direction and everything from Him. Our time, our talent, our treasure, our relationships, our jobs, everything is swirling around God who is the center of it all. It means to be God-centered. That's what it means to be godly. And it holds promise for both the present life, what we are experiencing now, and the life to come. Forever. You're not going to get a better deal than this. This is this life and the life to come. It holds promise for both. So God says, I want you to train yourself through the Apostle Paul to Timothy. Train yourself to be godly. You know what that means? Here's the big truth for this series. You are responsible for your spiritual growth. I am responsible for my spiritual growth and my spiritual life. You and me as Christians, as believers, we are responsible to feed ourselves. And if that doesn't happen, there's a problem, right? We know in the physical world, if people don't eat in the physical world, that's a serious condition. Anorexia, they're not going to grow, okay? They're going to be more susceptible to the attack of disease. They're going to be a shell of who they really could be, and eventually they're going to die. It's the same and even more serious in the spiritual realm, even though it's harder to spot, right? Because on the outside, we have a tendency to, hey, we're all looking good and things like that. But on the inside, if we're not feeding ourselves, if we're not going after God, if we're not pursuing Him and wanting to grow spiritually, then you know what's going to happen? We're not going to grow. Okay, We're going to be more susceptible to attacks uh, from the enemy in our lives. We're going to be a shell of who we could be and who God wants us to be. And eventually, we're going to die. And in that moment, guess what? We may find out that we were never truly born again. Serious business. And so... God says through the Apostle Paul here to Timothy, Timothy, train yourself to be godly. Because at the end of the day, guess what? That's what it means to be a disciple. That's what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, that we want to pursue Him. And that's why I have on here that little quotation for you. This is our mission as a church. This is why God has raised this church up. It's not because we didn't have anything better to do, right? God raised this church up so this could be our heartbeat. This could be our mission. It's right there. We want to be a community of people who are passionately loving and following Jesus and helping others to do the same. That's what we want to be all about. That's what we're going to, going to pursue to be all about. And that's what you guys, as a church body, we're going to be about that together. We're going to encourage one another towards Jesus. Listen, Satan wants to encourage you and applaud you in the wrong direction. We're going to fight that. And we're going to say, we want to pursue Jesus. We want to encourage one another towards Christ because that, 
at the end of the day, like I said, is what a disciple of Jesus is really all about. Having a daily commitment to Christ. It's what we get to do. It's what we must do. And here's the great news. We don't do it alone. We don't do it alone. Jesus is all over that by our side with us doing it. Here is his spectacular invitation in Matthew, recorded for us in chapter 11, verses 28, 29, and 30. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened or heavy laden, you might say, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Let's walk through these three verses uh, phrase by phrase, word by word. First of all, it says, come. That is an invitation that Jesus is giving. Come. It is warm. It is welcoming. Why? Because as we'll see, this is Jesus' heart for, for all of us. Come to me. He's not saying come to a belief system, come to a church, come to a series of doctrines. All of that stuff is important, but that's not the primary the primary is coming to Him. That's what Christianity is all about. It's an invitation to come to a person, to Jesus Himself. He's saying, come to me. I want you to come to me. That's why we call it a personal relationship with Jesus, because it is a personal invitation from Jesus. Come to me. That's what being a Christian is all about. And we need to be super clear on this right up front, because people are getting sold a bill of goods when it comes to Christianity. And, and it's simply not true. We need to be clear about this because Jesus is clear about it. I have the verses uh, written down there for you. Luke 14, 26-27. Let me read them for you. Jesus is speaking. He says this, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. When we hear those words, we push back from them because of the, what we perceive, the harshness of the language. We need not do that, and we dare not do that. Let me give you two reasons. One, Jesus is saying, this is exactly what it means to be a follower of me. It's not, I'm one among a bunch of other options. I'm it. We are to love and to enjoy Jesus as our ultimate treasure. No one else even comes close. Clearly, the word hate here is meant to uh, awaken in us the reality of how serious Jesus is about that claim that he is the ultimate in our lives. He's not telling us to go out and hate our parents. You don't go home and go, hey, mom and dad, I hate you because Jesus told me to. It's like, punch yourself in the face. That's stupid, all right? Nobody does that because it would be against everything else that Jesus is teaching. What he's doing here is comparative language. He says, compared to your love for me, nothing else should even come close. Because the reality is, how in the world can we make Jesus ultimate and show him to be our treasure if our affections are more attached to someone or something else on this planet. We can't is the answer. So Jesus said, I want you to be real clear that I am it. There's nobody else on the playing field even close to me that I'm it. Second reason, let me tell you why that's so encouraging and comforting and such great news for us. Think of the people that you love the most in this world. Think of the people you love the most in this world. Two of them uh, for me are here tonight, my wife and my daughter. Okay. The way I love them best is by loving Jesus most. That's how I love them best. Because He is the source of love. He is the source of goodness and righteousness and everything I need to be a great husband and to be a great dad. Which I don't do perfectly. But praise God, He gives grace and He gives help. And my, my wife and my daughter give forgiveness. 
But if I want to love them well, then I've got to love Jesus first because he is the source of all that. If you put Jesus two, three, or four down on, on your ladder, you're going to miss out, man. You are going to miss out. And by the way, and we've talked about this in a, in a former series, but, you know, the whole, hey, love is love, you know, that just is an excuse for you can live however else you want. And that's garbage, okay? Because God is the one who defines love. And that's how you know how real love is. So Jesus said, put me first. Put me first. Come to me, Jesus is saying. We continue. Come to me all. Wide open invitation. Wide open invitation. All you who are, notice the present tense of that, right here, right now, in this moment, this is where you are. Where is that? Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Not for those who are killing it. Not for those who are just knocking it out of the park, who are getting it right. You know, who are just really living so strong for Jesus. It's unbelievable. Listen, it's easy to come to Christ when things are going well. Right? When you don't feel any embarrassment or shame or, or struggle or whatever. That's not what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is saying, I want you to come to me who are weary and burdened. For those who aren't getting it right. For those, think of it right now. Think, and every single one of us has this. Think of that thing. There's probably more than one. Let's just be honest. Think of that thing that you do, that you have done, that you just want to go, what in the world did I do that for? And you're just kicking yourself. You're like, I I've blown it again. I've disappointed God. And it makes you think that God is just tired of you and going to write you off. Right there. Right there. That is where Jesus said, come to me. Right when you're in that spot, Jesus said, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Weary is, the, the, the force of that word, and the meaning of that word in the Greek, is you work yourself to a point of exhaustion. I mean, you're just spent. And in the immediate context, it has to do with trying to do a bunch of religious stuff in your own strength, trying to please God, and you can't, and you're just worn out. It has a broader appeal, to be sure, but that is one of the things it's talking about specifically. Weary and burdened. And that word means that you've had a heavy burden laid on your back somewhere in the past, and now you've been walking with that thing, and you have just come to the end of yourself. Jesus said, when you're there and you see it right there, come to me. All you, nobody's exempt, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give. God is a God who gives. I will give what? Condemnation? Judgment? A stern talking to? No, I will give you rest. That word means deep spiritual restoration, revival, and renewal. That is what Jesus wants to do. He doesn't want to turn you away. He doesn't want to beat me up. He doesn't want to beat you up. He says, I want you to come to me. Come to me when this is where you're at. Right? And now look what it says. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. That's not something you hear. How many of you have used the word yoke in the last, uh, last week, not referring to an egg? <laughs> yeah, no, of course. We don't. But this metaphor, it rang so true to the first century people, which is largely agricultural. They understand it. For those of you uh, 
who, who are, may not be too familiar with it. It's, it's a pretty, pretty ingenious uh, idea, actually. It was a, a wood that was kind of shaped like this, a wood, uh, a wood plank. It was actually square, and it was, it was hewn really, really well and then sanded down, and it had a loop on one side and a loop right next to it. And through those two loops, you'd put two oxen. The oxen head go over here, oxen head would go over here. I'm sorry I don't have my PowerPoint presentation to show you. So it's, this is a live action version, okay? Those of you who are listening on podcast, just imagine it. All right, so you've got you know, a piece of wood here like that. You've got a loop of leather, and then you've got a loop of leather or sanded down wood. And one oxen's head goes through this, one oxen's head goes through this, it rests on their shoulder. And it was used to help them uh, as they would assist one another in doing work. Usually, it was used to train younger oxen. A young oxen would be paired with an old oxen, okay? And so that way, the young one would learn what the guy on the end of the range who was guiding them, the old oxen knew where to go. The young one would learn because he was yoked together, joined, if you will, to this older oxen. So when he turned left, the young would turn left. When he turned right, the young would turn left. Right. When they stopped, they both stopped together. It was for the purpose of training the younger oxen. Jesus uses that as a metaphor to say, I want you to join me. I want you to get close to me. I want you to put my yoke on you, and I want you to learn from me. Think about that. Jesus said, I want you to get close to me. I want you to learn from me. I want you to team up with me, get right in here, strap in, and I want to teach you. I want to share my heart with you. I want to share truth with you. Man, what an exciting invitation. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Learn from me. Again, remember who he's talking to. People that are just wiped out and you've come to the end of yourself. And Jesus said, I know what you need. I want you to get close to me because I know what you need. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am, and this is why we don't need to fear his yoke. I am gentle and humble in heart. There's four Gospels in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They are the life and times of Jesus Christ. You know how many times Jesus tells us about his heart? Once. Right here. It's the only time he tells us about his heart. And notice what he chooses. He could say, it's a powerful heart. Right? It's powerful and awesome and, and awe-inspiring and perfect. and I mean, all those things and so many more would be true. But Jesus, who never spoke haphazardly, chose these two words specifically because he wanted us to know at the heart level, his heart level, what moves and motivates him. He is gentle and he is humble. That word gentle, one of the nuances of the meaning, and there's several, but this is the one I landed on for me, so... Hope it encourages you because, man, I loved it. It means that he totally and fully is understanding. He understands you. Think about that for a moment. This is a person who's just gone through the ringer, man. They're just done. They're tired. They're trying to live life. They're trying to honor God. They're trying to do all this stuff, and they're spent. Jesus looks at you, and he looks at me, and he says, I understand. Not in an accusatory way, in a welcoming way. He's saying, come to me. Learn from me. I understand. Think about that. When you go through something and someone comes to you who has been through something similar and they look at you and they're on the other side of it and they go, I get it. I understand. How do you feel in that moment? It's like a weight is lifted off, right? You have a sigh of relief. I know this because this, is, this happened to me last week. Happened to me last week. 
Or I talked to this lady who's, who's older than me, and uh, she's gone through a, you know, a time, and I guess we don't need to go into all this, most of you guys know this, but you know, the stuff that Connie and I have, have walked through as a family and with Lindsay, and it's just, it's been awful. And, and uh, she went through something different, but similar in terms of, you know, people lied about her and turned on her and all those things, Christians uh, and Christian leaders. And, uh, and so, I, so I'm talking to her, and she's sharing all this with me. I had no idea. I knew this lady. I had no idea that this was in her past. And she goes, and she's been watching and from afar and, and, you know, keeping tabs on what's been going on with us. And she goes, Wes, I understand because of this. And she shared her story with me, and I'm just, I had no idea. And I had no idea. And she goes, I understand. And you will get through this. I'm telling you, man, it was like a 100-pound weight was just, you know, cut off of my shoulders. And, you know, and I'm like, tell me how you did it. Tell me how God helped you. It was unbelievable. That is a tiny, tiny, tiny illustration of what Jesus wants to do with you. Because he knows you better and greater than you know yourself. And he gets you and he understands your struggles, your challenges, your doubts, all that stuff. And he goes, come to me. Why? Because I understand. I'm gentle and I'm humble. Humble means the person that looks at you and goes, you over me. That's what humility means. You over me. The humble person isn't about themselves. They're not about in your relationship with you so that they can figure out how they can get stuff out of it. Right? It's all about how can I bless you? How can I encourage you? How can I help you? Humble. You ever been around somebody who's generally humble? They're joy-filled. They're life-giving. It's awesome. This is Jesus, and he's this perfectly, and he's this infinitely. And he says, I'm gentle, and I'm humble heart. That's why we don't need fear putting on his yoke. And he continues, I'm gentle and humble in heart, and you will, not might, there's a promise. She said, you will find rest for your soul, that inner refreshment that man, when you're spent, you need. You need. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. My yoke is easy. That means to be well-fitted. It's well-fitted for you. It's well-fitted perfectly. He knows what you need. And my burden is light. That means it's buoyant. It's actually life-giving. It encourages you and lifts you up. That's who Christ is. And this is what he offers you. And you know, when you see this, there's one thing that just jumps out of you, out of me. That Jesus will never tire of me. Jesus will never tire of you. God will never tire of you. It's amazing. It's, it's incredible. And this is what Jesus says. I want you to come to me. Now, please understand, and this is important, because some people read this and think Jesus is just a really, you know, he's a super nice person. He's kind of you know, bouncy and giddy and frothy and mushy and cutesy and, you know, because he's gentle and humble. Hey, that would be a mistake. That would be a mistake. Just look a few verses later. I mean, earlier. Look at a few verses. Go to verse 20. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. I mean, you read that passage and there is smoke coming off of this page, man. Jesus was laying them out. So do not make the mistake that Jesus is some mild little shepherd who's given you, you know, please, please come because I need you to be my friend. I need you to put my yoke on. That is not the deal at all. That would be a gross uh, misreading of this passage. He is strong. He is powerful. And because he is, his invitation to you and me 
means something. It has teeth. It has staying power. So here's the question. How do you do it? How do you put his yoke on? Well, that is what God has given to us and, and what we're going to be looking at in this series, uh, things we call the spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices. Okay, They are ways that God has designed for us to put ourselves in the way of Jesus, to strap into Jesus' yoke. When you see the word in, uh, in uh, 1 Timothy 4, 7, our theme verse, train yourself to be godly, that word train, we get our English word from that word gymnasium, which means to exercise or to discipline. So the spiritual disciplines, one, they're called spiritual because they're empowered by the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. Okay, it's not something we work up on our own. It's something that, that, uh, that God does through His Holy Spirit for us. We choose to participate in that, and it's discipline because we have a role to play. We have, these are spiritual exercises for our soul that enables us to get close to Jesus. Things that we can do to put ourselves in the flow of God's grace. Hot summer day. It's a hot summer day and you are just parched. You are sweating. You've been working and you're hot. And here somebody is holding the hose and out of it is cold, crystal clean water just gushing. And you're like, yeah. And so there it is. And so what do you do? You walk up next to it. And you look at it and you go, yeah. No, you don't. You get in front of it. You position yourself in front of it. So it's just blasting you and it's just refreshing you and it's soaking you and it's covering you. That's what the spiritual disciplines do. It positions us so that we can get in the channel of God's overwhelming grace for you and for me. And we're going to be looking at these over the next uh, several weeks. And all of them are going to work together. And the foundational one is time spent in God's Word. Not a surprise to any of us, okay? But you have to spend time with Jesus in His Word. Listen, you are not going to be the one exception in all of Christianity that can grow without time spent in the Bible. It's not going to happen. It's not going to be you, all right? It's not going to be you. God has given us and revealed to us himself and truths that he wants us to know in his word. And so when we spend time with him in his word, we are, in, a, in essence, spiritually putting on Jesus' yoke, getting close to him, learning from him, right? And, say, and listen, these are not a way to make God love you more. He can't love you anymore, all right? Because you're in Christ. He can't love you anymore. It's not a way to twist his arm to make, make him more excited about you. Can't do that. This is, this is a benefit for us. We need our obedience. God doesn't need our obedience. God doesn't need my obedience. Okay? He doesn't, he's not up there going, well, I hope Wes obeys me today or I'm going to have a really lousy day. Words that have never come out of God's mouth. Okay? Not going to happen. Or for you either. Right? I need my obedience because it positions me to experience what God wants me to know and to, and to uh, enjoy. And if I want to enjoy Jesus, I get to spend time with Him in His Word and I get to. And so do you. And that's how we grow. Train yourself to be godly, man. Get connected to Jesus through His Word. How do you do that? There's a lot of different ways to do it. I've included two uh, that have been super helpful to me on your page. Because I don't ever want to say, hey, go out and do it. And you're like, how do you do it? I don't know. Figure it out. Thanks for coming. Goodbye. That's stupid. Okay? Uh, that'd be awful. So this is what I've given to you. When you read a passage, you sit down... And uh, I always start my, my time in the Lord uh, praying a prayer from Psalm 119, 18. Uh, verse 18 says, uh, Lord, open my eyes that I might see wonderful things from, from your law. I want my eyes to be open 
so that you, by your Spirit, will teach me the things that I need, that you know I need, because he knows what you need. So then I read a passage, and, and don't just flip around your Bible and just, you know, hey, I'll read this one, you know, that deal. Sometimes that works, and when it works, we're like, hey, that's the greatest thing in the world. Uh, the exception does not prove the rule, okay? Uh, so so uh, start at the beginning of a book, and then read a verse or a passage, and then look for these things. I have them there listed for you on your sheet. A sin to turn from. Is God saying by His Spirit, hey, right here, this is, this is wrong. This is going to destroy you. I need you to turn from this. I need you to repent. I need you to come clean about this. God's Spirit will do that. Why? Because He loves us. Just like good parents, we do that to our kids. Because we love them. A promise to claim. This is a promise that God wants you to hang on to. Some people say, hey, every promise in the Bible is mine. No, it's not. Not every promise is yours, right? He promised Abraham that his descendants would be as plentiful as the stars in the sky. He doesn't make that promise to you. Some of your, some of your moms are like, yeah, praise God, right? I mean, I'd be cranking out kids, right? No, this, he doesn't make that promise to you. So that's why you have to pay attention. You know, we'll talk more about that in, in, in uh, weeks to come, but to context and things like that. But is there a promise that God says, yes, this was for this person, but this is for you because you're my child. This applies to you. I want you to hang on to this, man, because I keep my promises. Is there an example to follow? Is there a command to obey? Something that God says, I want you to do this. Is there a teaching about God, who He is, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Really important that we pay attention to that because how we view God determines everything about us and we're, we're training ourselves to be godly, God-centered, right? A blessing or encouraging word to enjoy and is there a warning to regard? Something that God is saying, hey, listen, you're not in trouble, but you're heading for it. You're heading for it and you need to stop right, right here before, uh, before you go too far. You know, uh, Proverbs tell us that a prudent uh, man sees danger coming and, and uh, seeks refuge, but a fool keeps going and suffers for it. And so if God gives us a warning, his love is in the warning, right? His love is in the warning. Then application. As a result of what I just read, I'm going to blank. You got to do it. You got to do it. James 1 tells us, don't just be hearers of the word. And so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. If all we do is go out of here tonight and go, wow, that was nice. Okay, that was nice. And don't do anything with it. We are deceiving ourselves. We're lying to ourselves. We're playing a practical joke on ourselves. Do you like to do that? Do you like practical jokes being played on you? I don't like them being played on me. How ridiculous would it be if I played one on myself? Right? I mean, we're about ready for bed, and then over Connie comes over to me, and she's like, what are you doing? And I got a can of whipped cream. And I'm going, I'm filling my shoes with whipped cream. So tomorrow morning when I, get, I put them on, won't I be surprised? 911. Okay, 911. Wes has lost his mind, right? Nobody does that. That's ridiculous. But James is saying that's exactly what's happening if you read the Bible and you don't put it into practice. We got to do it. That's part of training, man. You do it, right? So the application, what does God want us to do? Here, the next three lines. Let me, uh, let me fill those in for you because this is another way that has been super helpful to me. When you read a passage, then you ask, first question is, what does it say? What does it actually say? What are the words saying? Okay, so that you understand the words that are in the passage uh, because some words are different than our, how we use these words now. So what does it say? Secondly, then you ask, what does it mean? The scriptures were written to people each each, um, uh, either a prophet or a letter in the New Testament, it was written to a certain audience. So what was the intended meaning for them? What was the author communicating? What did God want these people to understand 
Right? Why did he say that to these people? So you get the meaning. And then the third one, what does it mean to me? Because that's the exciting thing about the, the Bible. This is unlike any other book you'll experience. It's alive. It's active. And so that means that it reaches across you know, the eons of time and it speaks. God uses it to speak to us here and now today. So why, why did God want me to, to read this? What is he saying to me about this? What does it mean and what am I going to do with it? How am I going to apply it to my life? Okay? There's a, one other blank on there, and I want to, uh, to throw this at you as, as, as we close. Um, because you know, Listen, we've got to get in. We've got to train ourselves. We've got to get into the Word. And I'll tell you, it's going to be hard. It's going to be, how many of you have ever spent, spent time reading the Bible and it was hard? Hold your hand up. Look around. Look around. Satan wants you to think you're the only one. Thank you. You can put it down. Satan wants you to think that you're the only one struggling. Everybody else is awesome. You come into this building and everybody's smiling and they're all doing great. That's not true. Man, we are all broken and we are on a journey and Jesus loves us and he's going to encourage us and we're going to encourage one another. And you know what? God says, I love you, so I'm going to tell you the truth. I want you to listen. I want you to obey. I want you to hate what is evil. I want you to cling to what, to what is good. And Satan is going to fight you on that. He doesn't want you in God's word. Why? Because he gets exposed and you find out all that God has for you. And the glaring, blaring, you know, reality that our life is staring us in the face and how we feel is not the biggest thing about us. And it's not the truest thing about us. It's what God's word says. This is what is most true about you. Even if you don't see it in the moment. You will. I will. Listen, 100 years from now, we're going to be with Jesus. 100 years from now, we know that God wins. We should get up every morning, hit the ground running with that reality. Amen. Right? And, and you know what? And sometimes you're just going to crawl to your place because you're burdened and you're weary and Jesus says come just come spend some time with me let me give you this last thing this is a question it's uh, super helpful and I want you to write it down because I want you to pray about it over these coming weeks it's not original with me but it's been super helpful to me it's simply this what makes you love God more what makes you love God more you know put another way is what is the thing or things that stirs your affections for Jesus. Ask the Holy Spirit to identify that for you. Figure out what that is. Prioritize it. Couple it with the Word of God. And over the next, like I said, over the next four weeks, five weeks as we walk through this material, praying that something will really pop up to you. But listen, that's, that's what we want to do. We want to run after Christ. And Jesus said, I want you to be with me. So every morning, man, every morning you're strapping yourself into Jesus' yoke. You're putting it on. You're spending time with Him in the Word. And you're letting Him speak to your heart because He knows what you need. And we are responsible to train ourselves to be godly. But we're not alone. Jesus is with us 100% of the way. Let's pray together. Their heads bowed and eyes closed just for a moment. Thank you guys again so much for your kind attention. What is it that God talked to you about and what do you need to do? What is it that He talked to you about? What do you need to do? And for sake of time, we didn't go into some more practical things about journaling, stuff like that. We'll get to that later. But what is it that God talked to you about? Maybe for you, it's like, hey man, I really need to step up my game and start spending regular time with Jesus in His Word. Awesome. 
Or maybe you needed to be reminded, guess what? The Lord is not tired of you. And right where you are, He says, come to me. Jesus has such a heart for you. Do you know it? Whatever God talked to you about, take a moment, just respond to Him silently right where you are. If you ask Him to speak to you, I believe He did. And while you're doing that, if you're here and you've never invited Christ into your life, man, you have never given your life to Jesus. You're listening online and you've never given your life to Christ. If you died tonight, you're not sure you'd make heaven. Well, guess what? You can be sure. I, don't, I didn't say that. Jesus did. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whoever believes in Him, commits to Him, surrenders to Him, will not perish, but will have eternal life. If that's something you want tonight, then just tell Him. Just tell Him. In fact, let me invite you to pray this prayer after me. Not out loud. Mean the words in your heart. They're not magic. Just a way that God has given us to voice our heart's desire to Him. If you want to know you have Christ in your life, you want to know you're going to heaven, you want to know your sins are forgiven, then just pray this, not out loud in your heart, just say this, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I believe you died for me. You have eternal life to give me. I want that. I want you. So I turn from my sin. I don't want that anymore. I repent. I turn to you. Jesus, come into my life. Save me. I believe in you. I'm all yours. I'm all yours. Heads bowed. No one looking around. But if you just prayed that and you meant it, I want to remember you in a closing prayer. So I'm going to invite you to raise your hand nice and high until I see it. Just say, Wes, I prayed it. I meant it. Man, this is my moment. Pray for me. If that's you, just hold it up so I can pray for you. If you're listening online and you just prayed that prayer, you can go to our website vcb.church there's information there that will help you to get to know Jesus and to know that you have come into his family and are born again Father thank you for our gathering together Lord thank you for our time around your word for worship, for conversation thank you for loving us Jesus I pray that we would walk out of here and we would do what you've put on our hearts to do we would not allow the enemy to dupe us into believing otherwise Jesus thank you Thank you that you call us, you continually pursue us on good days and on our awful days. You say, come. Thank you, Christ. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church at Buffalo podcast. To connect with us and to get more encouraging biblical content, go to vcb.church.